Our words matter because our words are powerful. We started looking at that this past week. Much of the tension that we face in our relationships, be they in our homes, be they in our workplaces, be they amongst our friendships and relationships, especially those in the church, typically have to do because of foolish speech. Last week, we looked at what James had to say regarding our tongue. And in James chapter 3, he says that the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. That the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Not a pretty picture of that one of the smallest members uh, of our body. And last week, what we explored was how we take our words and we weaponize them and hurl them to others to inflict some kind of damage, some type of wound upon them. We stress how important it is for us to guard our mouths, to guard our tongues, because our words have power to bring death or life. And in Proverbs, we see that Solomon and the sages place an enormous emphasis on our speech. Proverbs talk about our mouth, our lips, our tongue, our words, our communication, our language. Because what comes out of our mouth reflects whether we have chosen the way of wisdom or whether we are on the path of folly. And sometimes, think about this, when you've gone to the doctor for a physical a checkup, what does he ask you to do sometimes? Stick out your tongue. They put a little wooden depressor on there and he's like, you know, and, and why, why does he do that? Because in looking at your tongue, he can make a determination if there's some maybe deeper underlying health issues that are happening in your body that normally would not be able to be seen without examination. And that has spiritual application as well. It's a principle for our Christian life. Our tongue reveals the condition of our heart. Our tongue reveals the content of our heart. What we've learned through our study in Proverbs is that our words and how we use them are of reflection and flow out of our heart, which is the command center of our life. What's in our heart manifests itself through our speech. Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And those words that flow out from our heart and what's in there, Jesus said that one day, we will have to give account for every single one of our careless words. Again, it's something that we have to contend with and reflect upon. But the good news we said is that not only does Christ redeem us spiritually, but His redemption also accomplishes His redeeming of our speech because of our transformed heart. Our tongues now in Christ Jesus can come under the control of the Spirit. He begins to have his way in us and work in us so that his fruit of self-control is formed in our life. And today, we're going to look at the positive use of speech. okay, And, And how our words can convey wisdom and life to others. We're going to be in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We're going to read verses 25 through 32, and then we're going to read chapter 5, verse 4, okay? So those, those are the portions that we're going to read this morning. All right, here are the words of the living God. Therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor. Doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Verse 4 or 5. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. These are the words of our Lord. Now Paul here is instructing uh, believers. Believers who are recipients of this new life in Christ Jesus. He's talking to church folk here, okay? And he's telling them that they've put off the old self, which belongs to their former manner of life. That is, that all of our sinful ways of behaving, all of our sinful ways of of speaking that previously belonged to the old self, the old life prior to trusting and knowing Christ, are to be set aside. It's to be cast off. And now we're to put on what he calls the new self. Right? These are the characteristics of this new nature which is created after the likeness of Christ. And he writes, therefore, anytime you see therefore, it's, you can read it as because of or in light of everything that he had just finished saying and came before that. That because of this new life in Christ Jesus, these are the things that now characterize this new nature, this new way of living. And, and, and in what we just read, I want you to pay attention to everything he says there that is related to our speech, that is related to how we speak to one another and the words that we use. He talks about putting away falsehood and lies. Talks about speaking the truth to our neighbors, to our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. To not be sinfully angry, not to sin with our mouths in anger. To not let corrupt talk come out of our mouth. To speak words that build others up, that edify them, that fit the occasion, and give grace to other people. That we're to put away all clamor and slander. Again, that is biting words, cutting language, things that belittle others. That there is to be no foolish talk or crude joking, and that our mouth should overflow with thanksgiving to God. Things that are reflective of our speech that manifest what's in our heart. And these vestiges of the old sin nature, this foolish speech that belonged to our former life apart from Christ, must be put away. And in place of the former manner of speaking, we now have out of this new nature the capacity to use speech in a way that is in keeping with that new nature and speech that glorifies God and actually brings life and produces life in others. So there's a proper way to speak that conforms to this new life that we have in Christ. 
And as we're going through this, I want you to self-diagnose and reflect. Does your speech, do your words reflect speech that is consistent with this new way of living, this new life that we have in Christ Jesus? Now, before we get to these wisdom words, uh, I want us to look at two important qualities that mark the wise person, according to Proverbs, as it relates to speech, even though what I'm going to talk about has nothing to do for these two things related to actually words coming out of our mouth. Actually, it relates to words that do not come out of our mouth. Because Proverbs reflects to us that the wise person is one who listens, and the wise person is also one who knows when to shut up. And listen up and shut up. The wise know when to listen up. Think about how many times in our inability to listen to someone else has it caused a misunderstanding with that person. How instead of a situation actually being maybe appeased and pacified, it has inflamed and turned into a full-scale conflict because of what we've said and because we did not listen to what that other person was actually saying. We did not push for clarification. Happens all the time. And if you're sitting there wondering, I, I think I'm a good listener. Maybe you're not. And you're not possibly a good listener if when someone is talking, you frequently interrupt that other person. Or because you're so anxious to be able to get your point across, your opinion across, say what you have to say, that before the other person completes a sentence, you're finishing their sentence so you can get rolling on what you have to say. You might not be a good listener if you jump to conclusions before they've actually finished saying what they have to say. And if you always have to ask that person to repeat themselves, it's, you're not a good listener. All right. Now, sometimes we talk to mumblers. I get it. But... Typically, that's not the case, right? We need to be good listeners. Active listening is important in communication, and our failure to do that ruins many a relationship. Proverbs 18.13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. How many of us has done that? You know, someone's saying to us, and we just, we just want to just get our thing out, and just we, we give an answer before we need to. Usually it's wrong. You know, it's important that we don't do that. Look how James expresses this. Know this, my beloved brothers, in James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Most people are quick to speak and slow to hear, okay, which is the opposite of what he's saying. That an important element in preserving and furthering peace and unity in a community of believers is patience and deference in speech. You notice you got two ears on your head and one mouth. Okay? We're to speak less and listen more. And it's an important aspect of growing in wisdom. We're reminded back right at the beginning of Proverbs in the thesis statement that, that, that uh, Solomon makes to us, in verse 5, he says that the wise, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. That's what the wise person does. But in verse 7, where he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, he says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The wise know the importance of listening. Because when they listen, they actually increase in knowledge. They increase in learning. They increase in understanding. 
So if you want to improve your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with co-workers and others, listen. Listen more than you speak. If you don't understand, push for clarification. Because when you don't, it is a recipe for failure and conflict in a relationship. And that's what James is getting at the heart of. There's such practical wisdom in James concerning our speech. Because much of the disunity that happens in the church is because of misunderstandings. It's because of failure to listen. And because we employ foolish speech and not wisdom speech. So ask questions to clarify what others say. Don't prejudge what they're saying. Don't make assumptions before you've heard a person out. Okay? It's so important. Together with this aspect of listening, a wise person listens to counsel and correction. So it's not just listening to another person in terms of a conversation, but also when they are being corrected or when someone is trying to bring counsel to them. The fool, though, rejects counsel, we've seen. He despises it. He rejects it and rejects instruction. Proverbs chapter 15, 31 through 32, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Isn't that amazing? The wise are willing to listen. They're willing to admit when they're wrong, when they've made a mistake. They're willing to change their behavior. They're, they're willing to make necessary adjust, uh, adjustments in their life to, to, to improve their life. But the fool doesn't do that. So wisdom is defined by one's willingness to listen to correction and counsel. Because the wise don't do that. Proverbs twenty five twelve: Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. The wise person, when they listen to correction, they love it. When they're lovingly confronted about something in their life, they receive it. They treasure it greatly as one treasures golden jewelry, a ring of gold. That's how important it is. The heart of wisdom loves correction and instruction. Okay? We need to learn to receive correction and counsel and instruction. Because by it we grow. By it we grow in wisdom. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance of people falls, but in abundance of counselors there is safety. Let's read also Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Counsel is important. And it's important for many reasons, not the least of which is that it enables us, when we listen to godly counsel and advice from others, it actually enables us to make good decisions. To make good decisions that lead to success and not failure or folly. When we listen to counsel, what what happens there? We are getting another perspective that we probably didn't even have. Every single one of us have blind spots in our life. Not a one of us can rightly evaluate and assess a situation or a decision we have to make completely and fully. We don't see the whole thing. But other people can see areas that we can't see. And they fill in those gaps in our knowledge so that we now have the proper information to make a right and wise decision in our life. Another reason is that when we, when we listen to counsel uh, and, and instruction and correction... 
It's necessary because of our capacity for self-deception. We are easily deceived. We think we know the right thing sometimes. Or we might think that we're always right. But we're not. So when we invite godly counsel into our life and godly correction, these are all things that build us up and help us to grow in wisdom and remain on the path of wisdom. Let's look here. If you don't listen to counsel, you're a fool. If you only listen to yourself, you're a fool. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Ouch, I've been there many times. I thought I was in the right. I thought I was right in my own eyes. And I plunged headlong. And I ignored godly counsel. And it created some serious obstacles in my life. If we always think our assessment again of a situation is the right one, that is foolish. Okay? It's foolish also, though, to listen to ungodly counsel. Because uh, Solomon here and the sages are assuming that you're listening to godly counsel, not ungodly counsel, because that is categorically rejected as well. You also don't want to listen to the counsel of, of people who will only tell you what you want to hear. Or what they think you want to hear. That really isn't always of much help to us, is it? There is a devastating example of this. And it's Solomon's own son, Rehoboam. It's tragic, actually. Rehoboam succeeds uh, Solomon. He ascends to the throne. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 12. And at the time of his coronation, the people are assembled. And some of the leaders came to him and said, Listen, your father placed a heavy burden on us. Would you... Alleviate that burden. The people will love you for it. So he says, give me three days to think about it. And he summons the elders, those who used to be Solomon's counselors, and they give him wise and discerning advice. They are rightly discerning the situation, and they tell him what he should be doing uh, in order to gain the hearts and affection of the people. And what what does Rehoboam do now? He calls his buddies, the young men, his, his little crew that he used to run with. And he asked them the same question, and they say, nope, that's not what you should be doing. In fact, you should make it a hundred times worse, basically. What your father did, do, you know, do it to the max here. Abuse the people, like, like, like put a, just whip them with scorpions, all right? He listens to foolish counsel. Led to the entire division of the kingdom of Israel. Horrific. Read about it in 1 Kings chapter 12. Foolish decisions because of ungodly counsel split the kingdom of Israel. And that kind of counsel could be devastating to our life. You have to be able to discern if the counsel you're receiving is wise. So when you do seek counsel from others, one question you should always ask, is the counsel I'm receiving consistent with God's word? Is it consistent? Does it align with it? Is it full of counsel that if I went to God's word and began to seek it out, I would see it clearly there? You know, not every person who claims to be a Christian can actually give you godly counsel. I don't know if you know that or not. If you didn't, now you do. Many times have you gone to another believer and asked him advice, and they're like, you know, I know the Bible says this, but there are no exceptions to God's word. If you hear an exception, it's not godly counsel, Okay? 
Many people have gone, you know, they're going through marital problems and struggling in their marriage or in the relationship with their spouse and they talk to their coworkers about it and they ask for advice and they're like, you need to, you need to lose that sucker. You deserve better than that. I've heard it. You've heard it yourself. Ungodly counsel, not consistent with God's word, should be categorically rejected. So the wise know when to listen up. But the wise also know when to shut up. That's the important nugget of wisdom we learn in Proverbs. You don't have to talk so much. You don't always have to open your mouth and give your opinion. Because it's okay not to speak all the time. That should be liberating for us. But there are some who have diarrhea of the mouth. They love the sound of their own voice. They love to give their opinions about everything. And again, they can't wait for the other person to stop speaking. But the wisdom of the sages is that a wise person restrains his tongue. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Again, the fool can't help but be talking all the time. The more he talks, the more likely he's going to stumble and fumble his way into speaking something sinful. Because have you noticed that those who talk the most have the least to say? Just rambling on and on, and they just stumble into sinful territory. But not so the prudent. The prudent here restrain their tongue. They hold back. They know when to speak, and they know when not to speak. Their tongue is under control. Because the wise knows that fewer words are better than more words. And it's something you and I need to learn. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Right? So the wise restrain their words. They hold back. Why? They're full of knowledge and wisdom. And that knowledge and wisdom instructs their mouth when to speak, when not to speak. And if the situation is tense and it's conflict, they're cool-headed. They have a cool spirit, he says here, because they're even-tempered. They use words sparingly. They speak only when is necessary. If you want people to see you as a wise person, talk less. Talk less. Know when to keep your mouth closed. Look what Proverbs 17, 28 tells us. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Like you don't know if the person's a fool until when. Well, they open their mouth. There's an old saying ascribed to Abraham Lincoln that says, better remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. It's when you open your mouth that people go, oh, that's a fool. <laughs> or, wow, they are wise. You ever heard someone speak and their words are like that? It's just wise words flowing from their lips and it just feeds your spirit and your soul. Like You could listen to that person all day, but that person won't speak all day. The fool He'll talk your ear off and has not much to say. Here's a couple, two reasons why it's important to restrain your tongue by listening more and uh, remaining silent when appropriate. And the first is this. When we restrain our tongue, it keeps us from speaking rashly and impulsively. We talked about that in weaponizing words last week. That's the speech of the fool. Rash words, harsh words, impulsive language. You and I cannot take back words that we speak 
rashly and impulsively because we didn't restrain our tongue. There's an old folk tale that you guys might know, and it had to do with a foolish man who went around slandering one of the wise men of the village. And at some point, he felt bad for having slandered that individual that he approaches him, and he, and he asked him to forgive him for the way he has slandered him. And the wise man says, I'll do that on one condition. And the condition is that you go home and take a pillowcase filled with feathers, go out and scatter those feathers to the wind. When you've done that, come back. And he goes, well, that's kind of a silly thing to do, but that's kind of easy. So let me just go ahead and do it. He, so he does it, and he comes back, and he goes, I went ahead and scattered all the feathers. Now, do you forgive me? And he says, well, one more thing. I need you to go back and gather up together all of those feathers that you scattered. And he says, that's impossible. There's no way I can do that. And the wise man says, precisely. You can't go back and take all, back all of those damaging words that you spoke about me. Just like you cannot go back and take all of those feathers that have been scattered in the wind. We can't take back words that we, we say sinfully. We can't take back words that we speak impulsively and rashly and harshly. We looked at last week. The, 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 the words of the fool are like sword thrusts. They slash and hack other people. And, and it's because we're careless with our language. The wise person doesn't do that. They restrain their mouth. Many times that we have felt like wanting to rip someone a new one. We've all felt that way. How many times, even on social media, we just want to fire back at something stupid that someone says, right? Something foolish they say. And the Holy Spirit restrains our fingers. Because, again, we want to say something harsh and impulsive, but it can be sinful. But wisdom teaches us restraint. Another important reason of restraining your tongue is it keeps you, again, from something we looked at last week. From bragging and self-confident speech. Bragging and self-confident speech. Always wanting to talk about yourself and, and make sure everyone knows your opinion and you have the last word. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Just want to talk and talk and talk and here's my opinion and you, here's why you need to know my opinion. Here's why you need to share my opinion. Here's why you need to repeat my opinion. We don't always need to blurt out what's on our mind and heart. That's not wisdom. You don't also always need to give a resume of your accomplishments and achievements when you're talking to someone else. Stop talking about yourself. You're not as awesome as you think you are. There's an old uh, comedy sketch from uh, just a comedic genius, Brian Regan, you might know who he is, called The Me Monster. And, and he just makes fun of people who are always talking about themselves and bragging about themselves. I actually put a link to that video, a YouTube video of that. Don't go there now, okay? Afterwards, go there. It's a, it's a hilarious four-minute sketch. Uh, but as I was, was typing this out uh, this week, it just reminded me of that hilarious speech. But you all know people like the ones that he talks about there. You might be that person. Okay, moving on. Hopefully you can see why it's important... Uh, to listen, to restrain your tongue in order to have life-giving communication and the wise use of speech. Listening and restraining your speech requires a heart that fears the Lord, a heart that is humble, and a heart that treasures wisdom. So let's look at the words of the wise here. 
Because again, Proverbs, Solomon, the sages place a high value on those kinds of words. And Solomon compares the words of the wise as refreshing waters, as, as precious gold and silver. He talks about it as being nourishing and health-giving food. You can read that in Proverbs 10 uh, in three specific verses there. And you and I should be valuing words of wisdom in the same manner. We should be placing a high premium on speaking words that glorify God and give life to the hearer. That build people up. And recognize that, that, that speech, that the gift of speech is something that has been given to us by God. That, that is an attribute that we share from our Heavenly Father who is a communicating God. And that we would use it in an appropriate and responsible manner. It is that critical. There's no greater responsibility that you and I have been given than to wield the powerful words that we have in a way that produces life and not death. That is what the wise do. Proverbs 18.21, again, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So the first words of the wise we're going to look at are the true words of the wise. And we want to consider for a moment the words of Lady Wisdom in her speech in chapter 8 of Proverbs, verses 6 and 7. Hear, for I will speak noble things. Again, this is, again, the personification of wisdom, how Solomon presents her as a beautiful woman, an attractive woman, an intelligent woman, so that his son will follow after wisdom and follow in the way of wisdom. And Solomon is saying, look at her speech. Look at the way she, she talks. From her lips come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. So to speak the words of the wise is to speak words that are noble and true and righteous and straight. Last week, we defined truth as that which corresponds to reality. If something does not correspond to reality, it is a lie. It is a distortion or an aberration of the truth or something outright false. The wise person only speaks that which is true, which corresponds to what is real. The wise do not distort the truth. The wise don't speak half-truths. They don't bend the truth. You're going to find a recurring theme in Proverbs speaking about the false witness and how damaging and destructive it is to give a false testimony and to tell lies, especially when giving or presenting evidence in a legal setting. The truth matters. The truth is important. We read that in Ephesians. We're not to speak falsehood. We're to speak the truth to our neighbor. Earlier, Paul says in Ephesians that we're to speak the truth in love to one another. We are people of the truth because our God is truth and his word is truth. So what we speak needs to be reflective of that. Secondly, the words of the wise are peaceable and gentle. Look at these three Proverbs. I'm going to read quickly in succession here. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. 
Now, don't misunderstand what Solomon is saying here. These are generalizations. These are observations. There is a time for a strong word. There's a time for a rebuke, right? There's a time maybe we have to strongly disagree and argue with someone. So he isn't advising us to not do that or to compromise the truth or call out what is wrong. But what he's saying here is that in the time of disagreement with someone else, a soft response, a tender response, is going to be much more conducive to a fruitful conversation than words that are angry and harsh or presented with an attitude. There's a big difference in the way someone will receive what we're having to say. I said it last week. Tone matters. Tone in our conversation is almost as important as the very words, if not more sometimes, than what we are speaking to someone else. That's what he means here. When others say things to us that might trigger us, get get a rise out of us, maybe a little bit of anger in us, the wise person does not respond angrily. The wise person doesn't need to yell. The wise person doesn't need to name call, right? They don't escalate a conversation to the point of argumentation. That's foolish talk. That's foolish speech. That is not wisdom speech. Solomon is advocating for us to be cool-headed and not hot-headed. That's hard because our instincts are always to, when challenged or someone says to us, is to defend ourselves. We, we want to present our right point of view. We want to let others know why we must be heard and why we are right. And, and, and earthly wisdom tells us to win arguments at all costs because it's more about me And making sure that I'm seen as right and come out on top. But because we are people ruled by the Spirit of God, we can control our temper. We can control our tongues. We can respond without yelling. We can respond calmly and in a way that furthers dialogue and doesn't shut it down. And isn't that the problem we see in our world today? No one can talk to one another anymore. Everything is taken, you know, way out of proportion. Everything immediately escalates into name-calling and mudslinging and trashing another individual. That's not wisdom speech. And I hope you're not engaging in that kind of conversation out there. Because this, this princi- these principles are not just about what we say out of our mouth, but also how we engage with others in that kind of dialogue and communication. Text messages to others, emails, social media, everything we put out there needs to reflect wisdom speech. The wise use gentle speech to promote life and peace, not stir up trouble and conflict. The wise diffuse the tense situation and make it easier for peace and unity to prevail when things get a little bit heated. We all get to that point sometimes. And when we do... We need to allow the Spirit of God who's working in our hearts and out of this transformed heart to respond in a way that is not harsh, is not slanderous, it's not angry, it's measured, it's gentle, it's calm. Hopefully to draw that person to deeper dialogue to heal whatever rift there might be. Third, the words of the wise bring healing. We kind of already said this one, Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But look at this. The tongue of the wise brings healing. 
brings healing. In Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. How true both of those Proverbs are. They, they speak to the consequence of wise speech. We all know the consequences uh, and, and damaging things of foolish and hurtful speech, but our wise speech brings healing, brings life to others. It, it makes people cheer up and be glad. And that's what we want. How many of us have, have, have given a word of encouragement to someone that's lifted their spirit? How, how many of us have been able to give a, 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 a kind word in season that's actually enlivened someone's countenance? And they, they, they brighten up because of something you said to them when they were feeling downcast or dejected. The truth is, how many of us have people around us who need us to give them a word to cheer them up? Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We all need encouragement. Look around you. That person next to you needs a word of encouragement. There's people in your sphere of relationships that need you to give a word of encouragement, something that will lift their spirits and cheer them up. Because our words impact people. Don't ever forget that. Our words could change someone's emotional state in a moment. You know, last week, a few of us went to uh, the ice cream shop, the the frozen ice place, and uh, it was crazy busy. The line was backed up, the drive-through, and we're like, what is taking so long? But the closer we got to the window, we realized there's one young lady that's there by herself attending to all of these customers, you know. And she was doing her best not to cuss people out. (laughs) She actually had a pretty, pretty decent attitude. Uh, I don't think most people would be as happy of having to deal with that. When we got to the window, though, I, I just felt I needed to encourage her and tell her she's doing a great job in the face of all that she's dealing with uh, right now. And then she came back to the window to give us our ice cream. And again, we thanked her. Bets and I thanked her uh, for just her great attitude and, and just how she's doing and dealing with it all by herself. And she teared up. You know, why? Because she recognized the kindness of a stranger recognizing what they were going through. Makes a difference. I can't tell you how many times in my life a timely text message from one of you here has actually picked me up when I was feeling a little bit down or I was going through a situation. We've all been the recipients and been beneficiaries of that kind of kindness. How about we do a little bit more of that? How about we use our words to bring healing to other people? Stop assuming the worst of your brother or sister and text them or call them and encourage them. Give them a kind word. Almost every week I receive a beautiful text from Arlene who lifts my spirit and my soul. It's always a kind encouragement in her lips. And I don't take that for granted because it blesses me. And you don't know at times what someone's going through, but like they pop into your mind, that's a good time to reach out. That's a lot of good times that I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. Makes a difference. Makes a difference. Nothing says this truth more powerfully than when you and I bring the ultimate good news and word of cheer to others. And that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
when we, we share the encouraging truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the promises that we have in him. Because the gospel is uh, always a word in season. It's always a word in season. And you can't go wrong to encourage someone with the gospel. When they're going through a tough time, when they're, where, where they're doubting the assurance of their salvation, where they're struggling in a certain area in life, or they tell you that, man, there's this relationship that needs to be reconciled, bring the gospel to bear about that on that situation. It will bless their life. Take time, again, to encourage those around you, build them up, and not tear them down. The prophet Isaiah wrote that the Lord gave him a tongue of wisdom to know how to sustain and encourage the weary with a timely word. You can read that in Isaiah 50. How I want to be that kind of person who has a timely word to sustain and encourage the weary. And I pray that the Lord would give us that measure of wisdom. Other words of the wise are words that instruct. Proverbs uh, 15 verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. Not so the heart of fools. The wise use their words to teach and to instruct. They don't keep their knowledge to themselves. They use it to bless others. Proverbs 10.13 On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. It's always on their lips. Why? Well, first of all, it's in their heart. So it's going to be on their lips. But they use their words then to teach, to instruct. It's the pattern we see Solomon doing in Proverbs. What are these first nine chapters about, if not lessons from a father to a son? Solomon to his son, instructing him in the ways of wisdom. Because wisdom is something that is learned. Wisdom is something that is to be transmitted and then received into the heart. Then you have the responsibility to take that wisdom and impart it to others and transmit it. It's what God instructs parents to do with their children in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the pattern Solomon is laying out. It's what Paul instructs Titus when he, when he talks about the pattern that should be displayed in the church. He talks about the older women then teaching and training the younger women to convey wisdom and knowledge to the younger generations. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he tells Timothy, here's the job of spiritual leaders in the church. Take the sound doctrine that I have given you and teach that to faithful men who will then take that and teach others. It's a pattern of discipleship. It's a pattern of wisdom transmittal that is to happen. The wise do not hoard knowledge and keep it to themselves. They teach others. We have a great need today for teachers who can transmit the truth of God's word to others. Especially to the emerging generation. Amos talks about a famine in the land of hearing the word of God. That is what we have today in the church. Rampant spiritual illiteracy. Rampant biblical illiteracy. So we need to be people of wisdom who take it into our heart, take the treasure of God's word into our heart, and then begin to teach others. That's discipleship. And that's not a formal class, brothers and sisters. That's you in the day-to-day course of your life as you interact with people, conveying wisdom, speaking wisdom, using wisdom words, wise speech to instruct and build other people up. Sometimes it takes the form 
of, of something a little bit more formal, but that's not the normal case here. Study and grow in your knowledge of God's word and then faithfully transmit it to others. Fifth, the words of the wise are appropriate. They're appropriate. Proverbs 10.32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. The words of the wise are thought out. They're measured. They consider the circumstance, and then the words that are spoken are going to be appropriate to the circumstance. Wisdom, we talked about, is a skill. It's a skill of living rightly. And in this case, wisdom in our speech means that we will use the right words at the right time and say them in the right way. That's what wisdom instructs us to do. Proverbs 15, 8, the heart of the, uh, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Because words are powerful, because we need to take responsibility for our words, then we must think through what we say carefully. Think before you speak. Think of the consequences your words will bring as they impact someone else. Think about the weight that your words carry and how they'll affect the person who hears them. The wise does that. The wise choose their words carefully. The wise wait for the right time to say instructive, corrective, or hard things. The time and situation must be right for the words that are spoken. Again, in our zeal to want to get something off our chest, in our zeal to prove how we are right, in our zeal to show someone how they are wrong, we just blab out our stuff. Wrong words at the wrong time, the wrong circumstance. And it never makes things better, it makes them worse. Wisdom tells us when's the right time to do that. Sometimes you need to wait for the opportune time to say something to someone. It's not always the right time. There is a right time, and wisdom will tell us when that is. Sometimes you need to labor in prayer for a while before you open your mouth. And I wish that we would all do that a little bit more, present company included. Prayer that God would direct our words, prayer that God would direct our timing, And prayer that God would make that other person's heart receptive to what we have to say when we say it. If we place a high premium on our words, these are things that we do. And it's what wisdom mandates. We're instructed on the appropriate speech in Proverbs also uh, of, of being around people who won't listen, especially to wisdom. Proverbs 23, 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool. For he will despise the good sense of your words. That's Twitter. Every post, basically. But again, the majority of people in our world today, people don't listen to reason. They don't listen to established wisdom. You can't have a logical, reasoned discussion with anyone here, right? They'll call your name, right? That's foolish speech on their behalf. But, But Solomon's trying to instruct us here on something here. Sometimes when you speak to a fool, especially when they don't value wisdom, they're not going to hear it. And sometimes you're going to incur their hostility. The trouble you get sometimes from from using wisdom speech is you can get a beat down, verbal or otherwise. Okay, So the wise person needs to know whether or not 
they need to speak to the fool. There's a time to speak. There's a time not to speak, right? Sometimes it's best to avoid those discussions altogether. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Verse 5, though. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. Answer a fool, don't answer a fool. What does that mean? Which one do I do? Depends. And that's the point here, right? Again, Proverbs are generally true. They're general observations of how the world works, right? So here, the general observation is that whether to answer a fool or to not answer a fool depends on the nature of the fool. It it depends on when you engage them in conversation, are they one that are just not going to listen to any words of wisdom, right? Because, again, they're they're full of themselves. They're wise in their own eyes. And they won't listen. But if you see that there could be something fruitful out of that conversation, that they might learn something, then go ahead and answer a fool according to his folly. Show him that his foolish behavior is illogical, inconsistent, and why it's wrong. And lead him to paths of wisdom and rightness. The point here is that the wise person can assess a conversation of whether there'll be a net positive outcome or a negative one. Whether our conversation will be fruitful or not. See, wisdom teaches us how to read people. Wisdom teaches us how to read the situation, right? Read the room and know whether or not to spend our time in conversation with a foolish person. We need that. We would avoid ourselves a lot of heartache and and, and just a lot of running around and, and listening to foolish speech if we would employ wisdom when it concerns these things here. Those are some of the words of the wise. It's not all of them. We would spend a long time in this portion of this theme here. But I want you to think about all of those words, true words and appropriate words, words of peace and gentle words, words that encourage and build up, words that are appropriate to the circumstance and the situation. That's the kind of wisdom you and I need. And just as we looked at last week, the consequences of foolish speech, well, our wisdom speech has consequences. Fortunately for us, those are positive consequences, right? Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Preserves his life. Proverbs 21.23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Guarding, keeping is what you and I need to be doing with our words, with our speech. When we do that, right, there's life. When we do that, we are kept from trouble that our mouths could get us into. And sometimes because we're around foolish speech people, we're still going to get into trouble even though we use wise speech. The point is that you and I aren't the ones who get ourselves into trouble because we use foolish speech. But ultimately... When we talk about preserving our life, life in is, it, there is going to be life in wisdom speech, but that kind of eternal life only comes ultimately and fully when we have come to the one who is the sum of all wisdom and knowledge, who can give eternal life, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. It is he who preserves our life. It's again 
He's the one that we talked about last week who preserves us from the trouble that our mouth and our tongues have gotten us into. He's the one who's done that. In Christ, you and I have had our hearts renewed. You and I have had our speech sanctified and being sanctified. Because we've been redeemed, we can act and speak as we're instructed to here in Proverbs and the rest of Scripture. Because apart from Christ, we'd not be able to live any of this out. Her mouth would always be getting us into trouble. Our mouth would always be used to cut other people down and exalt ourselves. When we speak, people should hear words flowing from us that are the fruit of our redeemed heart. You have to ask yourself, is that what people are hearing from us? When I speak, can people tell that this heart has been transformed and made new? When I speak... Do people receive words of life or words of death? Redeemed hearts beget redeemed speech. That's what you and I should be speaking. It begins with trusting Christ. And it continues as we let God's word richly dwell in us. For the wise speak the right thing at the right time in the right way because they have stored up God's word A truth in their heart. When we do that, our prayer becomes like that of David's in Psalm 151. God, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That should be our prayer, brothers and sisters. That should be the desire of our hearts. So I implore you to turn to the true source of wisdom and knowledge and receive the wisdom that comes from above. James writes in chapter 3, Verse 17 and 18, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Brothers and sisters, may you and I speak words that glorify God. May we speak words that give life to others. And then may we reap this harvest of righteousness sown from the wise use of our words.